Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. And this is such a pleasure today because I'm talking to one of my colleagues. I think I can still call you a colleague. We don't work at the same institution anymore, but we're still journalists together in Santa Barbara. Jade Martinez-Pogue, who is leaving town. And I'm so excited to have this conversation because we're going to talk about her tremendous career here in Santa Barbara the last couple of years and all the amazing work that uh, she's been able to do. Jade Martinez-Pogue, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. It was my last day um, working for local news here in Santa Barbara, so very bittersweet. Yeah, so I want to talk to you and have a conversation about a few things today, uh, your journalism career and the impact you've had at Newshawk and KUIT and some of your most interesting, memorable stories. And then I kind of want to give the audience a little bit of understanding of your background and how you came to Santa Barbara. And then we'll talk about your next plans going forward and your big move, which is just like right around the corner here. So, um, Jade, let's talk about journalism. You've been a journalist now. You started at Newshawk. You graduated from UCSB. And you have had a really rapid ascension, objectively. You've done a lot of work in the last year and a half, couple of years. So can you talk about what what it's been like for you right out of college to to have these opportunities? A lot of people struggle to get jobs right out of college, and you've been able to really make it work and be really successful at it. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so... I remember just a few weeks before graduation, I graduated from UCSB in 2020. So we were three or four months into the pandemic at that point, everything was still really up in the air and we didn't know how to deal with anything. And I was also looking for jobs at that time. Um, And I got hired at Newshawk a few weeks before graduation. And I knew I wanted to do journalism. Like when I was looking for jobs, that's the industry I was looking for. Uh, And I was really happy that I got to stay in Santa Barbara. I grew up in Sacramento, but Santa Barbara really feels like home Um, to me. I feel also like I grew up here. You know, I came to Santa Barbara when I was 18 uh, for college and 24 now. So it's six years here. And I feel like it's been really transformative. But starting at Newshawk, um, you know, it was all remote. So I hadn't ever really worked in a real newsroom before or for a news organization that wasn't just a college newspaper. And I think there was definitely a big learning curve, um, just figuring out what was newsworthy and what people in this area care about and what they want from their news and then trying to make those connections get those sources when everything was remote Um, I'd be lucky if I got people to do zoom interviews a lot of it was just speaking on the phone which makes it harder to form you know one of those lasting relationships or connections that journalists need with their sources to really get those um you know, deeper stories. And I don't know, I think I've always like growing up, I had two brothers, the middle child in between two brothers, we're all very close in age. So it was extremely competitive as a family. And my brothers, I'll admit, were that's why you're like that. 
<laughs> they were um, those like naturally smart kids who didn't have to do any homework and would just ace all their tests. And I was smart too, but I had to work for it. And so I think I brought that with me. Um, like, I don't know how to go into a job and half-ass it or not give it my all. You know, I want to be good at what I do and I want to take that pride. And so I would ask the questions and sometimes I probably asked really stupid questions, um, but I kind of did what I needed to, to be able to say that I was good at my job. And I learned a lot along the way. And I think as I got better and more confident and stronger in my writing, it all just became even more enjoyable. Um, I could see, you know, I was tackling bigger stories that had bigger impact and, um, it's been an incredible experience. Yeah. Let's talk about Newshawk. And obviously you just said that you started during the pandemic. What were some of the stories you remember? Some of the more stories that you're more proud of or stories that were a little more challenging, but just stuff that you're going to look back the first year of your career and say that was significant. Yeah. I think one story that I always go back to is actually a story that you pitched to me um, while we were at Newshawk. It was when City Council, Santa Barbara City Councilwoman Megan Harmon was um, competing against Supervisor Doss Williams for the Coastal Commission seat. And I covered county government at Newshawk. So there was, um, I think that might have been why you suggested the story for me. But I remember you and I worked a lot on that story. You know, I sent you my drafts and I asked you questions for background and why it mattered. And I think that was the first story of mine that I was really proud of because it wasn't just here's what happened. There was this event that happened. This is the news. It was kind of looking deeper into the context and what it means and why it's significant that these two huge Democratic Party members are competing against one another for the spot on a statewide commission. And um, I remember just the working really hard on that story because I felt like it was one that I got to be more creative with too because it wasn't just a recap of an event or um, something like that and that story is actually the first time that Jerry Roberts asked me to come on his show and then I started doing that and I felt like once um, that really helped kickstart my career too Um, all of Jerry's viewers for newsmakers and I think that really boosted my confidence. Um, So I always remember that story. Yeah. And I would say that it was impressive to watch you be so eager and ambitious just starting out because for everybody, there's a, there's a learning curve there. There's a time where you get settled and you sort of want to get your bearings and you can't really be the best at the beginning. But one of the reasons that I suggested that story to you was I felt as though you were, um, hungry for wanting to sort of do the next level stuff and you know me I don't I don't like to share <laughs> so <laughs> it's sort of like significant you know to be like yeah she can do the story and do it you know just as well or better than I can and I think you really met a lot of people doing that story in the political world so that was really significant you also have this Annen- USC Annenberg uh, Health Fellowship uh, talk about that. What did that mean to you to be able to apply for that, receive that grant, and then the type of work you did with it? 
Yeah. So that um, definitely was probably the most rewarding story or series of stories I've ever done. Uh, Definitely the one that took most of my time. Um, So it was a six month fellowship. I applied and when I applied, I didn't really know what I wanted to write about. I knew it had to be health related and I knew I needed some sort of data that I could get. Um, But I remember going back to how I was in college for the beginning of the pandemic, I saw a lot of my friends struggle with mental health issues that, you know, maybe didn't come up before because of all the isolation that came with the pandemic. And I remember just talking to friends about how hard it was for them to get some of, you know, even just like a therapist to talk to at that time or someone. And so I kind of took that and wanted to go more into looking at what the county offers and where it could do better and what it might be doing well in the mental health um, world. And so I kind of pitched a vague idea to USC um, about mental health and inpatient beds, psychiatric inpatient beds, because I know that the county only has 16. And then once I got accepted, I started I had to do public records requests. Um, I had to scour. I think I have still like 20 spreadsheets on my computer. That is the hospital data, all the hospitals in the county and how many patients under what diagnosis going back to like 2015. Um, So it was a lot of numbers and data crunching, which isn't my strong suit. And I, that's another reason I wanted to do this fellowship because they provided a week long training. And though I don't think I would at this point ever go into data journalism, I think having that skill and at least a basic to, you know, moderate level of understanding was really, you know, just a good thing to have to be more well-rounded. But for that project, I think the thing that struck me the most, it wasn't the numbers or how much or little the county gave to the mental health system. It was the interviews that I did along the way. Um, I put out a survey through NewsHawk asking people if they've been involved in the county's mental health system and their experiences with it. And then I left, you know, a place for phone numbers or emails and if they were willing to talk to me for a more in-depth interview. And so I ended up talking to probably like 15 to 20 people. And when I tell you that not a single one of those interviews lasted less than an hour, like that is 100% the truth. Um, and I think that's, it really made me notice, like it was hard. It was taxing, um, it's kind of difficult to talk to people about some of the most vulnerable situations in their life. And, you know, you don't really know what to say all of the time, but I have to, had to keep talking to them to get those questions because those were the people who really told the stories. You know, I could throw a bunch of numbers at you and I could say the county is doing this right or this wrong, but people wouldn't really care unless they saw it was more humanized and, they maybe saw a friend in one of the stories or a loved one or, you know, a neighbor. And 
Um, so it was just really rewarding to write. And I've had people, I've had someone message me on Instagram mm-hmm. saying that like their loved one was involved in the, uh, was at the psychiatric health facility. And so I think the response just kind of reaffirmed to me that those pieces meant something and, you know, they helped people. And that was really cool. Yeah, that's, that's well said. And not everybody can win or uh, be awarded those grants. And so that's definitely a prestigious honor to be able to do that. So you were doing great. You had this really bright start to your journalism career at News Hawk. And, uh, then you left, right? You got you went to uh, KYT, and so it's still journalism, but you had a role, I believe, as assignment editor. So, can you talk a little bit about uh, the jump and and why you made it, and uh, the differences between working for KYT, which is, I mean, everyone watches KYT. It's you know three counties, and when there's a fire, everyone goes there. It's it's really this prominent, influential regional outlet. And so that's a great opportunity to work with all those individuals. So can you talk a little bit about that that switch? Yeah, so at the time, I wasn't really looking for a new job at all. Um, I loved working at Newshawk. I, you know, it was an amazing experience and nothing bad to say about it. Um, but I saw that there was an opening and... I think the job description said that this position doesn't open very often. Um, (laughs) Now it's open again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I don't know. I think one of the reasons I took the data fellowship is because I wanted to learn more about data journalism and round out some of that part of my experience. And I just, you know, wanted to see what the podcast news world was like. I didn't know anything about it. UCSB has a very, very small journalism program and it's all focused on print. Um, So I had zero experience and I just wanted to give it a try. Um, Very different than print. I think one of the biggest learning curves for me when being at KUIT, there was always things that I wanted to cover. I'm like, oh, there's this really interesting item at the board of supervisors meeting or the city council is talking about this this week. But then I had to think about what would the visuals be? Who can we get on TV? What's the B-roll going to be? And then I started to realize that not all of the things that I would cover if I was working in print, I could cover, not me, but our reporters could cover um, on TV. And if they did cover it, it would be very boring because there's not a lot of visuals. And I think that was a difficult thing for me, even still to this day, because I love news. I love local news. Like I still keep up with the board of supervisors. I look at the agendas every week, you know, I, that stuff interests me. And I think while I understand why some things wouldn't be the best for broadcast, it was hard to just like, know that this is happening and not be able to cover it if that makes sense Um, but at the same time I learned a lot I learned you know how to produce a show why the producers pick what they do to put in the shows 
what makes a good show. Um, so it was definitely fun and I'm glad that I made the switch, but I do think my heart is in print. I love writing, you know, you, you can't put the context and the background and the impact in a two second or not two sec, two minute mm. video clip. Like mm. you can with like a long form print article. Um, and while I respect broadcast journalists so much, like everyone at KOIT is amazing at what they do. I just, um, I like writing and I didn't get to do as much long form writing at KOIT. Yeah. You were busy. You did write a lot for KYT, uh, lots of short stories uh, summarizing the news. And then social media, that had to be really fun and, and new, too, because at NewsHawk, we don't get to do the social media for the, the publication. But at KYT, I mean, that was your job, right? Yeah. So what did you enjoy about social media and being able to to, to tweet stuff and get stuff out there first? I really liked the social media, you know, I liked it gave me an opportunity to be a little more creative. Um, since I've started there, me and one of my colleagues, we started a TikTok channel for KEYT. How have I um, not seen this yet? We feel it's on the, the KEYT's Instagram stories every oh, okay. time we do one. Um, so that's been fun, you know, kind of expanding the KYT social media presence and making it a little more lighthearted to get, you know, a kind of younger audience, because I don't know if a lot of young people still watch the news. Um, they might read our website and stuff, but I don't know how many people sit down and like 5 p.m. news is on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the social media part was really fun, especially when there are more lighthearted stories and I can throw a pun in there if I wanted to use some fun emojis. Um but I really did. Yeah, I enjoyed that part. One of the things I've observed about you is that you're very ambitious in a good way. You you constantly want to challenge yourself and you're not comfortable being comfortable. You're sort of always looking to challenge yourself and take on something new. And even if it's new or difficult, you're, it's worth the risk. And that's a maturity level that a lot of young journalists don't have. What advice would you give to to young journalists? You know, people like you who might be in uh, journalism school or in other majors and they're thinking about journalism. What advice would you give to to somebody who might need a little direction? Um, I think just to start, the biggest piece of advice I always give to anyone, um, any young journalist who ask um, is to not be afraid to have questions, ask questions and to have that humility. Um, I think that's been one of the biggest things that's helped me grow so much so fast is because if I don't understand something or I don't know why it's important, I'd ask someone like you or, you know, my old editors, Tom or Gianna, like, what does this mean? And why like why are we writing about it because you know if you you could try and do the work on your own and work it out in your head but it's not going to be as good as if you talk to someone who's seasoned and who's experienced um to help you and I've always found that people are eager to help and they actually appreciate it when you ask for help because it means that you want to learn and you want to grow so I think that's my biggest piece of advice. Um, 
also some things I've guess spoken in a few UCSB college classes before and some things that I've noticed with young journalists is they get easily discouraged by some of the comments or emails that they get following stories that they publish um and in that sense I would just say really to take it with a grain of salt most of the time people who send those hateful emails just don't like the news it has nothing to do with you or your skill or your reporting it's just they don't believe in the vaccine or something like that um but I've seen a few young journalists get pretty discouraged about that and makes me sad but it's also if you have people emailing you mean things it means you have people reading your work and you know you win some you see some (laughs) if you're going to be a journalist you have to be willing to be disliked because even if you do the most perfect journalism the most perfect journalism means that you're going against the grain you're you're uncovering systems that might be broken or could be improved and people get upset when you shine a light on things and you threaten their power so of course everything you do you're going to want to have people who feel a little bit uncomfortable after your questions or your coverage otherwise you'd be doing public relations right and that's that's a different thing and there's nothing wrong with public relations, but we public relations, you write for one or your client or whoever it is, your, your elected official in journalism, you write for everybody. It's for an audience, for everyone. And it's the truth. And they can decide what they want after that. So, so Jay, let's go back in time, um, all 24 years here. Um, you grew up in Sacramento. So can you talk a little bit about what that was like and did you want to be a journalist your whole life or what sort of careers did you think about and how'd you end up going to to UCSB yeah so yeah I grew up in Sacramento um and when I say that I don't mean like somewhere 30 minutes away like a lot of people who say they're from Sacramento do uh my school was about a mile from the capital uh, downtown and I think I went to fairly good schools. I went to public school, but all of my schools were really good. And I remember, I think it was me, probably second grade, they had us do this, some sort of news assignment. I think, you know, as much second grade writing as you can do. Uh And I remember I got a comment from one of my teachers that she wrote on my little assignment after. It's like, I got an A in second grade <laughs> and she uh, wrote like wow I think you found your calling mm. and ever since then I was like whoa I'm good at writing and I, I think it was that little tiny comment when I was so young that just gave me confidence and ever since then I don't know if I was a good writer when I was that young or not but I sure thought I was mm. and I'm sure that that belief made me a better writer um, and so I From then, I always loved writing. I wanted to do journalism when looking at colleges, but um, my dad told me that, you know, accountants (laughs) make $80,000 a year or something off the bat. And I was like, whoa. So I went in um, to call. I applied to all of my colleges, uh, business or econ um, for my major. 
And I actually started at UCSB as an econ accounting major. Um, I was choosing between UCSB and UC Irvine. Irvine had a business school. And so I was honestly leaning towards that one until I had a talk with my parents and they told me, um, you know, it's not just about what you're studying. Think about where you want to live and what kind of life you want. I'm really glad they did because I couldn't imagine going to Irvine now and I'm here and I love Santa Barbara. Um, so yeah, I went in as econ accounting, not good at it. Uh, I did not like it at all. It made me feel stupid. Um, and so I did that for full my whole freshman year until I switched to communication. And even switching to that, I didn't know right away that I wanted to do journalism. Uh, I took a lot of uh, nonverbal communication classes and interpersonal communication because that's what I liked. Um, Not very applicable to many jobs, but those are the classes that interested me. And then the summer before my junior year, they uh, introduced a new program called the Journalism Certificate Program. And I was like, oh, you know, I love to write. I wanted to do journalism for a point when I was applying to colleges. And so might as well just try it as a, you know, a fun extracurricular side thing. And I started taking the classes. I remember the first assignment, I didn't even know what a lead was. Like I wrote my, my story as an essay, you know, with an introduction paragraph and a topic sentence. Yeah. I've seen it many times, not from you, but from (laughs) students. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I really started with like nothing. Um, But then I just kept learning more. And my first journalism class I took with Nomi Morris, it was at the same time, I think the New York Times had just published a huge investigation into Trump's taxes, um, Uh I think the first time. Um, And we were talking about it in one of my classes. And then I didn't realize at the time that that's like the whole point of journalism is to hold these people accountable and, you know, question things. And I didn't really understand that. And once that clicked for me, I was like, this is the coolest profession ever. It's meaningful and it's impactful. And so with every class that I took and every new story that I wrote, I just, liked it even more. Um, I got to write on topics in college like gun violence and LGBTQ plus inclusivity and wildfires and some bigger topics that, you know, as a college kid, it felt really rewarding and meaningful to be able to write about things that have such weight. Yeah. In my experience, most journalists uh, I've worked with and students who I've taught have been introverts. Um, I don't think you're an introvert. I don't know. You seem pretty outgoing. But in general, whether you're introvert or extrovert, when you find journalism, you find your outlet. You find your voice. You realize, wow, I kind of found my calling because I can actually be me and I can write about topics that I'm interested in and make an impact and make a change. And I think a lot of people go their whole lives looking for that, looking for that outlet that matches 
what they're interested in. And if they don't find it, it's very frustrating. And so I think people who find journalism and then they pursue it, they really feel it's it's liberating. I always say, and, and you know this because you worked at Newshawk and you know KYT is is you don't do it for the money. The money is great, but we would almost do it for free, right? I mean, the money's good, whatever money it is, but we would do it for free almost because we love the purpose of it. And a lot of people don't ever find a job that feels meaningful they do jobs that make money but yet they're miserable at it and you know i imagine even on your worst day most frustrating day you're still proud of the work that you did yeah and i think just speaking on that um you know as i said earlier i didn't get i didn't get to do a lot of like long form actual reporting at kyt and so i've done i actually finished my usc fellowship while I was at KYT, um, I had left before the fellowship was over. And I've done a couple of freelance stories for Newshawk since then as well. And when I'm talking to my friends, they're like, Jade, why are you doing this to yourself? You have to wake up early before a nine hour work day and then work on it during your lunch and then work on it when you get home and on the weekends. Like, why, why did you say yes? Why did you do it I'm like I can't say no I enjoy doing it like when I uh one of my freelance stories that came out most recently when I sat down to write that like it just flowed it felt so good and so rewarding to be like I was proud of the story and I knew it was going to be a good story and I was excited to work on it I was excited to wake up early on a Saturday and start writing and outlining and it's just yeah, I would do it for free. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> don't anyone who's paying you though don't don't listen yeah. to that part. No, yeah, <laughs> won't do it. <laughs> um, can you talk a little about your parents and how they influenced you? You were into accounting. Your dad was sort of pushing, uh, making money. Uh, what what did your parents do, and have they been supportive of your journalism endeavors? Yeah, so it's actually kind of interesting. So my parents are divorced. Um, They've been divorced since I was like four. So it's really all I ever knew. Um, And my dad, my dad and my mom were both teachers. My dad later went back to school to become a principal. And now he does HR at the superintendent's office. Uh, My mom's still a teacher. She teaches at my high school that I went to. Um, I was never in her class, though. (laughs) Um, And so it was really interesting. My parents are total opposites, probably why they got divorced. (laughs) But, um, you know, my mom, she's a high school teacher. She's, you know, up to date with all the trends and the memes and um, the music. And she has tattoos and she likes to have fun. She's... um, amazing and my dad is also amazing but he's uh he's very religious he works very hard he kind of just goes to work and comes home you know takes care of my little sisters doesn't go out with friends or really do anything like that you know just very family work man Mm. and he's more reserved and um 
I feel like you're going to trap me into like spilling some dirt on my parents. Well, I am a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I love them both. But it was interesting because they were so different. I kind of always, um, I felt like their opinions and what they wanted for me, I took those and kind of found something in the middle. And because I was always getting two different things, I kind of learned not to just focus on one of them. I'm like, well, if my dad wants me to do this, my mom wants me to do this, can't make everyone happy. I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, and they've always been supportive of me, though. They were supportive when I decided to change my major. They were supportive in journalism. Um, my dad follows two people on Twitter. One of them is me. And one of them is a Grateful Dead account. <laughs> um, so they always, you know, they share my work with their friends. And, um, and so they've always been very supportive. I think at a time, you know, my brothers, one of them did architecture and the other one did econ. And, you know, I was the communication major. They're like, oh, Jade, are you good with your words? Like, can you communicate this to me? So it's kind of like a joke. <laughs> but um I am the most successful one of <laughs> my brothers. Um, but yeah, I I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> yeah. No, perfect. I wanted to ask you too about this identity and uh, how you define yourself because you're Jade Martinez Pogue. And I remember that, I mean, eventually I just asked you, you know, I said, are you Latina? Are you Hispanic? You know, and you, you said uh, you're... Mexican American, or you know, and so you, your name is hyphenated because what is that your mom and your dad's name? Is that why? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. So can you talk a little bit about your identity and how you identify in terms of your, you know, your journalism? And you know, I like to talk about how people of color face different challenges, and it's not that they all face the same challenges. Uh, it really depends on your experiences. But you, as a Latina and as a woman, um, have have you? you identify as Latina and have you had any sort of situations where you felt as though you're fighting even more so for a place at the table because of how people might perceive you yeah so I do like I tell people I'm half Mexican half white um I will like I wasn't really culturally raised Mexican um I didn't have a quinceanera or anything like that. Uh, my mom didn't speak Spanish at home. So not, and I, I wouldn't say that I noticed like that impact me in my career. And I know I'm lucky for that. Um, but I do think that being a young woman has impacted how people treat me or see me in my career. Um, like, I don't think that if you were at your desk doing your work, um, people would like ever come up to you, look over your shoulder and make sure you're not just goofing off or on Twitter or, you know, if you show up in a Taylor Swift sweatshirt to work as I'd like to do. Um, <laughs> we're getting <people>. there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I do think like I've had to... I think fight a little harder to be more respected because uh, I am, I'm 24 and 
I think that I have a bubbly personality. I like to make jokes and I like to laugh, but I work really hard and I do my work and I get my work done. But I think sometimes people see this, you know, young girl who laughs a lot and like, oh, she's so giggly that she's not serious. Um, And I did have some incidents at work like that and people. So I don't know. It's just hard because it's like, I like to wear pink and I like to listen to Taylor Swift and I like to talk about county government and what the city council is doing this week. And I could do both and I shouldn't be seen as less for liking pink or, you know, listening to Taylor Swift. Um, But yeah, so I think it's just, I've had to work a little harder to feel more respected. Yeah. Well, you're certainly um, doing something really, really well because, you know, people really respect you and you keep having all these great opportunities and you keep doing high quality work and uh, it's uh, it shows, you know, the hard work that you do and the effort that you put in and your skills and your ability. I mean, everyone always talks about, you know, wow. You know, look at her series, look at her work, look at her social media, look how busy she is at KYT. And so much of what you do at KYT is behind the scenes, too. Right? We don't even get to credit you for it. But the stuff we're watching at 5, 6, 11, you had this huge role in, you know. So it definitely shows. Let's Speaking of Taylor Swift, let's shift gears a little bit. Because one of the things that I will always credit you for, um, you know, in terms of just like, you know, personally is... I have this thing where I don't really listen to music in the moment. Like I discover artists years later because ever since I had kids, I just like my whole life changed. It's not about me. It's about them. And so I don't really listen to contemporary music. And so I'm always like, wow, that Lady Gaga song is really good. And it's like, that came out in 2013, Josh. Like, come (laughs) on, you know? So, um, but you introduced me to Olivia Rodrigo because I remember you had said I went to this concert in Vegas with your mom or something. And I was like, who's that? And you're like, you don't know who Olivia Rodrigo driver's license. You don't know that song. I assumed you listened to the radio. <laughs> yeah, I guess I did it. So I listened to it and I was like, wow, I'm actually listening to a contemporary artist like in real time. She's popular. And, and I'm listening to that. So um, I will always be grateful that you introduced me to Olivia Rodrigo and all of her angry songs. And um, it's very much high on my top top 25 uh, playlist. And my daughter, Megan, knows all the words, even the F-bombs she drops in the middle. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. But even in Good <laughs> For You, version. <laughs> there are, but it's not the same, you know. And she says, I still love you. I still really love you. It's like it loses a little bit of beat than the actual yeah. F word, you know. But um, so Taylor Swift's album came out last night, recently. And uh, you, uh, what do you think of the album? Are you uh, totally excited about it or what's going on? I was really excited. I was also kind of nervous because I knew she was going to change directions again. One of the things that has kept her so popular and so relevant is that she's constantly changing the genres and the sounds of her albums. Mm -hmm. And I really liked her two pandemic albums. They felt kind of old Taylor Swift with the beautiful lyrics and the melodies and just kind of soft. 
Um, and I do like this one. I think every time she puts out a new album, it's different than the last. And I'm always like, mm. but then I listen to it 10 times in a row and I'm like, okay, this is amazing. Um, but I think one thing that you can always count on from her is her lyrics are just going to be like off the charts. Like she finds ways to describe such simple things so beautifully and eloquently and just love her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like it so far. I have to give it a good few more listens to really nail it down. <laughs> There's probably nothing on there as good as shake it off though. Let's get real. That's, that's the one thing I hate the most about you. Is that you love that <laughs> You're song. like, there's many, but that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good song. That's no, I, I know. I'm just kidding. Obviously, she has many, many, many great songs, and that's the one that made it super big. Uh, but <clears throat> that's, I really appreciate the fact that you were able to sort of, you know, talk to me about Olivia Rodrigo and Taylor Swift and all these contemporary artists um let's talk about your next move okay so you are moving you're going to new york which is like whoa you're going to this huge market from little santa barbara uh talk to us about your your next move and what are you going to do now yeah so i got a job at um an online news organization called law 360 it covers uh it's nationwide and the UK. So it's a fairly big um, news organization. I'm going to be a general assignment reporter, but I have a few topics that I'll focus on. Um, the only two I remember off the top of my head are mergers and acquisitions and sports betting. A um, little more excited about sports betting. <laughs> but it's, it seems like a really good opportunity. When I was applying for jobs, I was applying for both print and broadcast and even PR, you know, I just needed a job. But I got a few offers at broadcast uh, networks, pretty, pretty good offers too. Like I got an offer from ABC National and it pays more than the job that I ended up taking. Um, but I just really wanted to get back into print and to get back into writing. Um, it's what fulfills me. I find it rewarding and I, I wanted to write more. So I'm really excited to be getting back into writing and I'm excited to learn another beat another niche um, I always wanted once I like since I graduated to be a political journalist covering nationwide news like you know in DC or something and I think that having this kind of niche really in-depth legal reporting experience is going to be great for getting to that that place yeah, well, if you can cover courts, I mean, you can cover anything because it, it is difficult to be able to, one, you have to, I mean, mergers and acquisitions. Wow. Like that's so broad, right? So if you're able to actually mine stories off that beat, you then develop a reputation for being a reporter who has that niche specialty. And you're breaking news. And then all of the other papers are following you. And what, online sports betting, is that what you said? I mean, sports betting. Sports betting. I mean, I can't even imagine. That's such a huge beat. And it's probably undercovered, underreported. So there's great opportunity to do 
to do good to do good work. Are you with mergers and acquisitions? Is this like corporations or what? What is this? Exactly? Uh, that's what I'm assuming. I don't. I haven't gotten too much more information yet. It's just something that the HR person kind of went over with me when she offered me the job. And are you uh, going to a big newsroom? And how many people work at this organization? Well, it's remote based, uh, but they do have an office in New York. They also have an office in LA and one in the UK. Um, so I can go in whenever I want. I'll probably start remote until I get finished unpacking and packing and everything. Um, but I think eventually I will go into the office because I want to meet people. Uh, I think it's it's a fairly big company and it's grown tremendously um, just from a few years ago. I don't know for sure, but I want to say at least 300 people on the editorial like reporting team. So it's, oh. it's fairly big. So you're going to be possibly breaking national news. So that's really something to look forward to. <clears throat> Let's wrap up, Jade. And I know that you did uh, Newsmakers with, uh, with Jerry Roberts and uh, you had kind of a formal farewell there. But I wanted to just give you an opportunity to sort of just tell people who've met you over the last two years, who've interacted with you on stories, who maybe had a, you know, good experience, like, wow, she's a really good reporter, they liked your story. And then obviously at KYT, everyone you interacted with, just sort of, you know, wrap us up with sort of what it's been like for you and kind of your final words you want to say to to people you've worked with in this community. Trying to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've loved working in Santa Barbara and being able to tell the stories of everyone here. Um, Like I said earlier in this podcast, I really do feel like I grew up in Santa Barbara. Um, I became an adult here and I, I consider Santa Barbara home. I love this place. I love everyone I've met, everyone I've worked with and everyone who's let me interview them and let me help share their voices and their stories and I really don't think that my career would be on this path if it weren't for all the people I've crossed paths with here and it's really hard to go um but just thank you to everyone in Santa Barbara this is a really special place here yeah well you're definitely going to be missed and you've made such a huge impact in in two years a little more than two years and the good news is you're 24, so I'm sure you'll be back once you make it big. You're going to come back here and be a big star in this market. Um, and, you know, if you go even bigger somewhere else, you're always going to be welcome in this town to you know, guest speak or do work or whatever. So I think you have a very bright future that includes whatever city you want to work in. So um, thanks a lot for your time and and good luck with everything. And I really appreciate you taking the time to to be on the podcast. Thank you.